Welcome to Wednesday, February 10th. Glad that you could join me this morning. Corey and I are here, and that we're just thankful to be able to open God's Word with you and be uh, encouraged and taught and uh, edified in His Word. If you'd turn to Colossians chapter 2, I'm still in my series in the book of Colossians, Jesus is Lord of all. And today we're talking about Lord of our worship. Jesus is Lord of our worship. We should only worship Jesus and nothing else. Of course, you know that. This is just another way uh, for us to learn and to be encouraged. And I'm going to start today in Colossians 2.18. Colossians 2.18, and I'll read all the way through the end of the chapter. It says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, this is a really interesting section of Colossians, and it really kind of gets to some of the heart of the matter with the Gnostic teachers, as I've been sharing with you. And he starts off with this very interesting sentence, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the price. Now, what is Paul talking about here anyway? The worship of angels and delighting in false humility. Um, it's... I guess one of those verses in the Bible that's just not immediately understandable. But as we understand the background a little bit more of the Gnostics, uh, we, uh, we come to realize what this means. Now, as I mentioned before, the Gnostics were teaching kind of this complicated um, a system of beliefs that included astrology and following the stars and, um, and emanations from heaven. And, and I mentioned before that... Uh, it also somehow involved um, a communication with angels or um, a hearing from the angels or being directed by the angels. And we're not, we're, we're not entirely sure about, uh, about the details of their belief system, but apparently uh, Paul now just, just calls it out for what it is when he says, um, uh, worshiping angels, just straight out. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. So apparently, they were in some sense worshiping uh, angels or angelic beings in this system of their belief. Remember in the Bible that we learn that fallen angels who followed Satan are called demons or demonic forces. Okay. And so if an angel is willing to be worshipped, <laughs> clearly, I guarantee you, it's a fallen angel because a good angel is not willing to be worshipped. In fact, we see that very straight out and clear 
in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, uh, it's John sharing some final thoughts. And he says this in verse 8 of Revelation 22. He says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a servant with I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers the prophets and of all who keep the words of this book worship God <laughs> Don't worship me the angel is saying worship God so clear this is a, obviously a good messenger angel of God uh, but apparently these angels that the Colossian Gnostics were communicating with or talking with or whatever were demonic, because only demonic angels would accept inappropriate worship. Uh, now, what's interesting ab about this is that this false humility, the heretical Gnostic teachers were, uh, were teaching, probably went something like this. Well, we're not spiritual enough to go directly to God, so we'll start with the angels, you see. We'll talk with the angels. And it sounds so humble, and that's where the false humility part comes in. But in fact, it was idolatry, of course, and false worship. Uh, and so it was the worst of both worlds, right? It was false humility, number one. And then number two, they were actually being trapped or falling prey to this uh, idolatry, this false worship. Uh, and... Apparently, people were having these mystical experiences with demonic angels and teaching others to do the same. So these Gnostic gurus, so to speak, were caught up in this. And then, of course, they were trying to lead the Christians at the Colossian church to do the same. Well, it sounds a bit to me, actually, like what might you might know to be a seance where they're calling on the spirits uh, or, you know, Ouija boards or 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 even ne necromancy. Do you know what necromancy is? It's calling on the dead, right? And you've heard people talk about this, maybe in the media or entertainment. I've even talked with people who have questions about this. Is it possible that you can speak with someone in the spirit world, like someone who's dead already, maybe one of your relatives who's passed away before you, and you want to talk with them again, and you hear this kind of thing, this mystical thing, um, which actually biblically is untrue. There's no way that we can talk with people who have previously died. There's just no way. There's a chasm between us and them, the Bible teaches. Um, and so when someone says that they talk to someone uh, who's dead, quite likely what, th what they're seeing is a demon who's um, uh, made itself to look like that dead person. And this is really dangerous, right? I mean, this is not a simple thing, and people do this. Even in America, people uh, try to talk with their ancestors in the spirit world. Well, uh, we can know in God's word that that's, uh, that's mystical uh, danger, okay? And I'm trying to use the two separate words, spiritual and mystical. Uh, mystical meaning dabbling in things that we're not unsure of. Spiritual meaning those things which we are sure of in God's word. Uh, notice what these Gnostic gurus were doing then in the next sentence. It says, uh, Such a person goes into great detail 
about what he has seen, that is, these mystical visions or communications with angels, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. His unspiritual mind, again, he's not spiritual. This person who's mystical is not spiritual in God's word, but dangerously unspiritual in their mind and flirting with the demonic. Uh, and so he gets puffed up with these uh, experiences, these pseudo-spiritual experiences, and it begins to lead others down the wrong path. Now, here's Paul's indictment against these Gnostic gurus and anyone who follows them. Look at verse 19. He has lost connection with the head, that is with Jesus, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So number one, in contrast, the spiritual person, the spiritual man or woman, stays connected to the head, stays connected to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that we worship, right? Jesus is the only Lord. Uh, Jesus' word is the only word that we look to. We don't look to other religious books or philosophies. We only look to Jesus and His word, God and His word, the Bible. Number two, the spiritual man or woman knows that the whole body needs to stay together. It grows together, it says, by its ligaments and sinews. That is, not one person, not one single person gets to be above everyone else, like a guru, like a Gnostic teacher. Not one person gets that place. We're all submissive to one another in the body of Christ, even I as the pastor. I'm submissive under God, under His Word, and I'm actually submissive to the congregation as a whole. And this is the way that it should be, so that we are together in Christ, who's the head of our church, and there's not a human individual who uh, takes on more power, you see. And this is a very important aspect of our faith. Whereas these people were struggling with those who were calling themselves the Gnostic teachers and the gurus, etc. So Paul is really warning them against the evils of this kind of mysticism here and this demonic activity, which one of the outworkings of it, quite frankly, here now we're going to see, is asceticism. So they have these mystical experiences uh, and this kind of uh, oriental mysticism, and then coupled with this asceticism, that is, these self-denial um, rules and regulations, starting in verse 20. Uh, let me just read verse 20 and uh, through 22 again. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Human commands and teachings. We actually saw a resurgence of this kind of uh, asceticism in the Middle Ages. And if you've studied the Middle Ages, you, you will see that certain Christian um, groups or Christian monks um, kind of fell prey to this uh, practice of asceticism uh, in the Middle Ages, um, self-flagellation, they were whipping themselves, um, they would wear these rough, um, uh, these, uh, rough hair shirts turned in, uh, they would sleep on hard beds, they would not speak for days, they would not eat for long periods of time, or very little to eat, all of that uh, to try to sanctify themselves. Um, and the intention, right, may be good. You sanctify yourself toward God. But the, the truth of the matter is that asceticism doesn't sanctify us. Only God sanctifies us, right? 
Um, uh, while good physical discipline and health are very important, I agree they're very important, nevertheless, they don't sanctify us. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.8 discusses this. 1 Timothy 4.8, I'm sure you're familiar with this verse, says, For physical training is of some value, right? But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So physical training has some value, Paul says, but godliness is where the true value lies. And where we receive our sanctification as we, uh, as we pursue God, as we um, desire to be His disciple and to grow in His grace, then we become more and more sanctified, more and more Christ-like. Now, look at verse 23. It says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I'm not sure if you've ever kind of experienced that before where you've just tried and tried and tried to do something right and you failed, um, and you failed again, and you, and you fell to that sin again, and indulging in that sin again, right? You've kind of set yourself up to try to, uh, to, try to um, legalistically um, uh, uh, protect yourself against it. But what, what God really wants is for us to just get on our knees and ask Him for the strength, right? And to ask Him for forgiveness once again. And, uh, and it's a spiritual relationship we have with God, not, not a legalistic one. And so all of these rules and regulations that sometimes we try to set up for ourselves, right, they don't work in the end, right? Because um, it doesn't ward off the sensual self-indulgence. When I read that, when I read this verse, you know what I thought of? Very interestingly, I thought of years ago, back in the 1980s, um, that um, uh, city in Oregon that was set up called Rajneeshpuram. Perhaps you remember it. And they were following the guru Rajneeshi, or Rajneesh. And uh, there's a lot of similarities here. It's not exactly the same as Gnosticism, for sure, because they really weren't into harsh um, regulations of the body. But nevertheless, there's a lot of parallels here. They were um, an oriental mysticism uh, group, uh, and they did try to have an appearance, as it says, appearance of wisdom. Certainly, that was there. Uh, and they did have self-imposed worship, right? Because they were worshiping the guru. That was there. And they certainly had false humility. They were trying to play themselves off as very kind of humble and loving people. As I mentioned, that they didn't really have the harsh treatment aspect of the ascetics. But what's interesting, uh, they, and they did have a lot of rules, um, a lot of uh, communal rules. They all dressed the same. Um, there were certain practices that they were supposed to keep, etc. Right. So there were a lot of rules. It just wasn't quite the harsh treatment of asceticism. But what really caught my attention here was this last line where it says, "But they, but they lack these things. Lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence." Because if you've looked at the history of Rajneesh Param at all, you will recall that actually it just simply devolved into free sex, sexual orgies all the time, and this unabated, unbridled greed for money. And, and of course, a lot of conflict and eventually um, violence and murder. Uh, it all just devolved, right? Uh, because these kind of human-made rules and regulations don't keep you from all of those human sins, those human nature sins, right? Only God can. Only true sanctification in Christ can. And looking to God's Word and, 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 and depending on Him 
and His strength and the Holy Spirit living within us. So, let's stay grounded in this, right, in God's Word. Let's stay focused on Jesus today and always, uh, shall we? Uh, let's not worship anything else besides Jesus. He's the Lord of our worship. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. It's a wonderful day, Wednesday. And I just pray for my friends and church family members who are here gathering around your word with me. And I just pray your grace for them and for myself as we go through this day, rising to the challenges that you've put before us, Lord. We love you so much. And uh, Lord, uh, let us continue to have the grace of worshiping Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being with me this morning. And uh, you guys have a great rest of your day, and I will see you tomorrow morning at 7.30.